Oh, hello, 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 hello. It is now, once again, Friday at the time of this transmission. Well, it is the internet, so is it really transmitting? Big question. <laughs> anyway, Rantbox TV is here once again to offer you nuanced commentary on race, gender, and other issues that pertain to the United Kingdom and abroad. Today, we're going to talk about how, well, marginalized voices can, in certain respects, um, be uh, not given the same kind of platform when discussing issues of femininity. And I think that's definitely something that is worth investigating outside of my social media platforms, because let's face it, I'm sure you've had the same situations when it comes to talking about this thing on social media. It can be an issue. So um, we are a subject driven travel uh, channel. And so we're basically (laughs) going to talk about this straight away and tell you more about the people that are in the room at the end of the video. Um, I'm going to kick this off with a question. Anyone can feel free to answer. What was your first um, acknowledgement or understanding when it comes to this particular subject? Anyone? (laughs) Um, um, Well, firstly, I immediately thought about like my own experiences of being a woman in music. But then um, when talking about race and gender, it definitely made me have a deeper conversation with myself about how I often so often think about what it's like for me being a woman in the music industry but I I don't think in a way that I I definitely should be more considerate of what it's the added layer of being a person of color and female in the music industry and obviously me and John are very close friends and in the same band and thinking about like how that's not even a conversation I feel like we have very much it's um and just how i think i have so much to learn on the subject and that's why i really wanted to be part of this conversation as well yeah i think i acknowledged it uh, um even as young when i was in education in primary schools secondary school maybe i didn't really know what it was but it was definitely apparent and i think that was because of the um, added layer of race as well as gender um, but then it became very apparent to me going into music and especially you know gigging and being in the indie scene I think we've had conversations about this before as well and just kind of feeling very much so like an outsider not feeling as heard as other people and even as other women um, so yeah, that's the first time I properly acknowledged it, I think. I think I've always known about it. I think mm-hmm. as a first-generation immigrant woman, it's very apparent to you everywhere you go. As a, as a kid, you just know, like, they treat you different. Mm-hmm. Especially as a Muslim woman, going somewhere new where Islam is not, like, really a popular thing. So you're, like, immediately, like, separated from the rest, ostracized for being your gender your race your ethnicity and your religion so it's always been there and also in sport because I've always been I tend to be the only woman of color in my sports it'll be all female teams but I'll be the only woman of color on that team so very apparent to me there Mm. have there been any like instance in the media that you think could have been given a higher platform but weren't because of a bias or is that in some way um, hyperbolic? 
Um, the first kind of thing I thought of when I realised we were doing this was the um, Florence, I don't know if you knew, Florence Given and Slumflower mm. situation, and I feel like that was really important to me. I don't know, but it was also quite difficult because it was hard to... No, I don't want to say take it seriously, but kind of see value in all of it when they come from social media as well. So they were kind of founded through Instagram. And I feel like fem feminism and the idea of it on social media and especially Instagram is always very palatable. It's just, you know, easy to digest basically so with that argument I I struggled to kind of see how it was benefiting any anybody you know so, um, but I do feel that uh, the slum flower should have received a lot more support than she did because Tell us a bit about that for those who don't know who that person is but are aware of Sarah Everard, for example. Okay, um, yes, so the Slum Flower is a presence on Instagram. I think her name is Chadira. She is a black activist, a social activist. Um, she does a lot of talks. She's written books um, about race and gender. Um, and Florence Given, similar, uh, someone uh, popular on Instagram. They both kind of, they used to be friends actually, so they used to do projects together about feminism. But Florence Given released a book, I think, uh, is it a woman, Women Don't Know You Pretty. And there was a big issue with Chidera. Um, as there seem to be signs of plagiarism um, in terms of the content and the, the look of the book, the aesthetic. Um, so they, they were under the same publishing company. Um, so a lot of people, I feel, were... A lot of people at first were putting the blame, seeing them as two, just two people putting the blame on Florence, putting the blame on Jadira. But I think it's more than that because they were uh -huh. under the same publishing company. They're the ones that make the decisions. They're the ones that, you know, do all of this. So I think it was a bigger issue than she copied her or, or anything like that. I think it, if you look deeper, it's actually a bigger issue than that. So, mm. there's a really good article on uh, Galdem. Um, I don't know if you've read it about the issue. Like, I completely agree with you, Ja, about a lot of what you're saying. And I think Slum Flower uh, Chadira ended up completely with the. She really lost that argument in ways because she, I think she, mm. she got dropped by a publisher. I think she got dropped by her management. Yeah, she obviously, you know, got loads of hate on social media, and mm -hmm. I think um, again, what you're saying about like the Instagram feminism is very palatable, um, and the Galdem article I think makes some really good points about how um, in a society moving towards. Uh, you know, a more equal 
playing fields and being aware of more issues we sh- we need to place an importance on like the collective movement like not yeah. the personal because it's yeah. like obviously it's like Florence Given didn't invent feminism and yeah Jadira. exactly however someone clearly came out so much worse in this situation which was Chadira. and also I remember all the stuff about if you searched like like I think like black black feminism or women of color Florence Given's book would come up first on Google no yeah so what actually happens with Chadira's book I think it's called what a time to be alone if you searched what a time to be alone or Chadira's name the first thing that comes up is Florence Given's Um, book oh and I don't know if I explained before Chadira is a person a woman of color and Florence is a white woman so um yeah that was that was very bad yeah um and I think as well just in the in the situation it's like you're both fighting for the same cause but there's like a woman of color who's it it's much more important I think that her voice is amplified yeah but I think um for me I really I wasn't a huge super into Florence Given before but it really like put me way off her because she really like fought back against this rather than and as someone as well that shared so much stuff about like you know as a white woman we need to make space for people of color we need to give people the platform but then I felt she completely didn't do that she really fought back against Shadira and she's the one really that's come out on top Mm. and it's kind of like you know you can post as many Instagram infographics as you like and say all this stuff but it's really about your actions and and who were amplifying and yeah I, I don't think that she I I, I think that sh- she should have I don't know come to some kind of agreement with Chidera or I don't know but and I, I think she like quite publicly was pretty said some bad stuff about Chidera as well it's a shame that this kind of thing happens given what I would like to think is public knowledge in that we know how media slash social social media works in that anything it can use to keep itself going it will and it will favor um caucasian women Mm. because of um well european beauty standards how that upholds aspects of patriarchal thinking behind the press as well as those who want to get in it um and yet that isn't the 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 case when it comes to the case you're talking about here if i could move us on a little bit to um and i suppose it's a trigger warning but when you have um violence um rape and and murder happen to people in marginalized um groups it seems to have a lower um say public outcry um am i being wrong in saying that is is there pushback against that in this group? I don't know. Feel free to say anything. I mean, Manur, given your uh, background and the charity you work with, maybe you could offer some insight. Oh, I think 100%. When it's a woman of colour or trans woman or a disabled woman, something like that, people don't, you don't get enough traction on the media because who are they to you? If you look at even social media influencers, you'll have amazing people who are women of color, who are trans, who are disabled, they won't even have a margin of the same following a white girl would have just Mm -hmm. for existing. Not producing any work, not producing anything creative, just existing. So we naturally have this thing in society where we don't get that much traction just because 
who are we? They don't they don't give us importance like that. Mm. And it's constantly seen. It's constantly seen in fashion. You have big brands and stuff copying small women of colors like brands not giving them credit it's constant yeah. like you are constantly being overlooked unimportant it's just a small thing that happens once in a while but when it happens to a white woman it's a big tragedy how could this happen but if it happens to someone in a smaller community oh this happens that's what just, mm. that's just how it is that's how life is but why do we think like that in the first place why do we associate being a marginalized group with being so constantly and always being harmed or being oppressed or being hurt or being raped or murdered. Why is this normalized? We need to think about that first. So, yeah. Sure, sure. There is often um, a particular uh, postmodernist that I normally cite when it comes to issues of this, uh, Jean Baudrillard, but essentially we're looking at um, media, we're looking at fiction, we're looking at music, um, we're looking, we're looking at car adverts. We're looking at all sorts of things which contribute to how we're supposed to see one uh, person's importance or power, and how we have to kind of fit around that. Um, and it starts with the white cis male first, and everything seems to, you know, fall underneath that. Um, have there been any particular like, personal instances where you've um, come across a story or an incident, um, and you've tried to maybe talk about it on social media and it hasn't necessarily worked out to your your best interests. Anyone? Um, that's, uh, that happened quite a lot, specifically when I was sharing and posting things about BLM. There were a lot of people that... I was surprised to see that I had that, I would get that kind of response because I thought that, you know, the people that I surrounded myself with, the people that I follow and that follow me have the same views and opinions as me, but that wasn't the case. Um, I did get quite a few people sending me personally angry messages trying to, like, get, trying to block my Instagram, as uh, trying to, what's it? reports my Instagram and things like that um, and it was really intense but I'm still glad that I did it because my whole the initial reason why I wanted to do that was to try and spread education and spread information about BLM but in terms of feminist causes and feminist things that I've shared I haven't I haven't really got any backlash from that, to be honest. Um, How about you guys? I've had a lot of, quite a lot of backlash, more so for, f like, more so for feminist things than maybe from for BLM things I've shared. And I think it's interesting hearing both of our experiences with that because I think definitely, like, as a person of colour, I think people are more... Um, you obviously receive more flack for posting things like that and I think it's definitely people are like angry at you f for for bringing something up whereas when I share it people are I feel like people just disregard it or they're just like yeah, yeah just like some lady sharing stuff because it's not my personal experience but I think people want to get more angry at you because they'll maybe say like you know playing the victim and yeah. stuff like that and trying to tell you what your experience is 
um i've definitely received a lot of um i mean over lockdown i just became a full-time keyboard warrior because i was unemployed <laughs> so um I, yeah i had a period like that too for sure um, with in terms of feminist stuff just um just a lot of men just telling me that like i'm wrong or that that doesn't happen um which is just frustrating when you're even talking about your own personal experience <laughs> um but um i did have um i don't know <laughs> in uh during uh the pandemic last year when you know we were unemployed full-time keyboard warrior was my job i did I don't know, I thought so much about like social media as a tool for change and I was really inspired by, I read this article a while ago, I think it was actually a Vice article about um, a, like an alt-right American Facebook group and some non-alt-right people joined the group and pretended and like pretended to be alt-right until they got made admins and then they completely overtook the group and turned it into like... (laughs) like a gay rights group <laughs> so I was I was I was inspired by that and um I was I was quite sh- well I guess not sh- really not shocked but um my hometown um is like very white suburban town uh, in southeast England and um just in the like Facebook group of my hometown just so much racism like just so much and I was inspired by this vice article so I thought maybe so I made a lot of like fake Facebook profiles and like pretended to be like (laughs) (laughs) pretended to be like a gammon (laughs) so I like set my profile picture as a union jack and um I like tried to get be got made an admin but I don't know, some people found out and I got removed from the groups. Oh, and wow. Wasn't that in the first day or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a journey. Oh, wow. Uh, it, was pretty, it was a loaded four hours. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> but I did join, because, you know, around, um, there was also people trying to, like, protect the statues um, mm-hmm. last year. There were Facebook groups for people doing that, and I in as one of my many aliases uh <laughs> undercover aliases joined some of them and it's like like pe- it was crazy like people being like all right everyone i've got a bus coming down from manchester at 5 a.m like who's on it and then just all these people being like yes son like i'll be there and i don't know just just crazy really i was like you're really getting a bus from manchester to london to protect a statue yeah yeah oh boy well i for one wish i could have actually been part of that group just to see you basically going undercover (laughs) that sounds like i feel like Um, i feel like if you had someone helping you it could could have worked you you need some kind of maybe we can do it as a team yeah (laughs) infiltrate yeah. Also, as well, if there's a few of you, you can like back each other up, like make your story look more credible. Because you can be like, "Hi, Barry! Like, great seeing you in the local pub last night." <laughs> um, I just want to take us back. Um, if there's a conversation that, say, Menor or or Jane, you've been in, where you feel that at some point, what you've been talking about regarding 
um, feminism hasn't, say, looked out for certain instances that you think ought to be covered. Could you relate any of that to us here now? <laughs> it's a big I question. Know, I feel like the dominant narrative of like women's equality now is not centered on women of color in general. And like I read an article the other day saying that that like feminism in Canada, their main goal is equal pay. That's for white women. So a white woman gets paid less than a white man, but a woman of color gets paid less than that white woman. And also, as women of color, our first priority doesn't tend to be solely feminist issues. Race <laughs> is always intertwined with the issue at hand. Like when I worked at the Fawcett Society in London, so we did a lot of the women's charity and we did a lot of work for women's rights. One of the major issues we were trying to deal with for a women of color was hairstyles in offices. Because I, I don't even have like that intense hair, but I used to get told for interviews, oh, straighten your hair, please, for the next round of interviews. So for me, I was like, imagine someone with Afro hair. Yeah. And you are forcing them to completely change. If they wanted to, that's up to them. But if you're telling someone, oh, you look unprofessional because of the way you look, please don't come here looking like that. Yeah. Change yourself and maybe we'll accept you. Yeah. Um, I mean, what you're saying there is quite frightening if you really take it into consideration that if they're telling you as someone who's got the job that you're not professional, who are they turning away at interview stages based on what they thought would fit into the aesthetic of their company? Exactly. Um, yeah. Like, how do you deal with people who um, may understand to, to some extent that, you know, racism exists, but they don't understand these particular issues. Like, not everyone um, can be as, like, say, um, as aware as, say, Alice, but when you deal with someone who looks like her that kind of denies this stuff, how do you deal with that person? Oh, I'm very vocal. I'm very vocal. I have no issue making enemies, shutting it down. If I know you're... Not even you won't have to agree with what I'm saying, but listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, I was I'll just listen to what you're saying. Well. I'll listen to what you're saying. I may agree on some things, I may not, but give me the respect mm. that you'd listen to what I'm saying, and maybe you'll learn something, and maybe you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I didn't think of it that way." Sure. I think the most important part about it is being able to have a conversation, um, as Manor said. I mean. As last year, but during the issues of BLM and any other issues like that, I was ready to fight with everyone. Anyone who disagreed with me, I was like Alice, a keyboard warrior. But they just wouldn't listen. And I realized I was just wasting my time and my emotion and my energy on someone who's just not going to listen to you. So I, how the way I deal with people who want to learn more is just have a conversation with them let them know that it's at least a safe space I want to listen to what they want to say as well so it's all about having a conversation sure. also I think to add to what John is saying like again it's just another it's another layer of um 
another layer of oppression but of that you also having to constantly expend your emotion and your knowledge to educate these people that don't even that have refused to even comprehend that there could be another viewpoint and I think something that's really important is that like you know other white people like myself obviously I'm not I'm not trying to speak from a point of authority or knowledge or make the conversation about me but I'm also like I would like I I should be the one expending my emotion do you know what I mean not you and also just to add to your previous point Manor about hair what's kind of funny in this situation is that out of I mean out of all of us I would be the one seen as having the most like culturally professional hair but I'm also the one that turns out to this meeting with a massive water stain on my jumper glasses <laughs> <laughs> on my face <laughs> don't worry the magic of zoom and post-production means that none of what you're saying is actually people like actually go oh I noticed that you just exposed yourself basically <laughs> just no viewers uh, I'm wildly unprofessional compared <laughs> to Manor and Shani <laughs> Um, just so we're, we're going to basically head towards closing. Do you think that there's, there are things that need to be said that you haven't seen in materials such as like critical essays, books, or videos on this particular subject? I mean, for example, um, it has been said a few times, but it doesn't necessarily go into it deeply as far as my own investigation. But whenever a terror attack happens, violence against, um, say, women who are noticeably, um, uh, in Muslim attire, it spikes. Um, and yet there doesn't necessarily seem to be enough of that put into certain, like, say, think pieces, um, except if there's one person that can be seen as, um, for, want of, for want of a better way of saying it, but something that is more marketable, um, like, say, Sarah Everard's death, for example, that's how they think. I mean, have you guys um, seen anything outside of these, like, um, contents that you like read or watched that you think needs to be said here um just recently there have been a few attacks in the states on muslim women they've been throwing acid at them i haven't seen it anywhere on the news i don't know it's because i'm in like little muslim girly chat groups where like yo did you see that that could be me Mm. and the only reason i hear about these kind of things because out of fear that it might happen to one of us anywhere so that it's been happening but no one's been talking about it why i don't know that's i feel like people need to realize as well within the sphere of feminism diversity is very vital for any social movement mm-hmm. and gender equality can happen if it's just for white women it's not going to happen yeah so we need to keep pushing this yeah ideal for people who don't understand that, what would you say to them? I mean, not that you, it's, it's not down to you to explain it to them, but I'm keen to understand um, from your point of view what it is that you think that they're missing. Maybe they're watching it now. Who knows? So I'm not looking to devalue the experiences of white women and no two people experience the same things. So we can, I can never speak for the next person next to me and tell you how they're feeling, what their plight is, never. But I feel like it is very important to include everyone in the conversation just so you have a better more holistic understanding of what's going on because i could meet another muslim woman first generation from somewhere else completely different experience to me 
and I can't speak for her. She can't speak for me. I can't speak for Jane. I can't speak for Alice. But if we talk to each other and understand what each other needs, what our plights are, what anything, it helps us so much more grow and grows the movement as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that part of the reason why they don't understand that is because they don't really see these people as being part of their community? The only time I suspect um, that these people have interactions with those who they dismiss or are prejudiced towards is because they're an abstract um, variable in the last, you know, Daily Mail, you know, copy that they got, or they've seen someone that's influential in their lives dismiss it, and so therefore they go with it. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, anyway? Um, as I mean, as someone who I feel like I'm probably more involved in that demographic you're talking about, John, in terms of not caring or having empathy about these subjects, and I think it, personally, I feel it's not so much to do with people being dismissive of it more of just like a complete apathy towards it like we we're not seeing white influencers and and people with with a with a voice and with a following bringing light on these issues and shedding importance of them so then all their fans don't care and but if like if if people and kids on instagram and tiktok and facebook and twitter and whatever are seeing like oh like that like <laughs> I can't think of a person like I can't think of I'm so old I can't think of like an influencer but see seeing someone and, and, and saying like um like oh like they really care about this maybe I should too like I think that's when m- maybe more social change will happen but and, and we're just not seeing enough of it and like as white people it's our job to to be like stop this is important that you care about this and that we change this and dismantle this and you know obviously that's not going to happen overnight but a start of that is is a more social awareness and hopefully we are starting to see that in future generations but it's not enough and more needs to happen i think more fair representation on tv and stuff yeah Yeah. because we don't see that enough so we don't if we don't see ourselves how are other groups are going to see it and be like oh Complete. That makes sense. That's new. I didn't know that. I didn't know they went through that. And it's like if we don't even see other groups to know they exist, how we even begin to people going to be, begin to realize that they have struggles that don't relate to our own. Like it's so important, and people just don't. People are just like, oh, it's just TV, and like it doesn't matter. But it's so important. It's so important. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a sense of people feeling that if only social media or films and fiction can have more representation or inclusiveness, then Mm -hmm. things would change. I think we've all probably at some point reached that conclusion that these are all things that are playing catch up with Mm -hmm. societies that don't have governments that are putting enough into their education system, because that's where it really begins, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. your, your first um, book, your, your first instance as to understanding what happens um, when, uh, say, civil rights occurs in America, all these different things, they're touched upon in various aspects of our conversation and in education. But ultimately, there's, there's arguably more knowledge in this room about, say, civil rights in the US than there is in, say, uh, the UK. Um, you know, mm-hmm. why is that? You know, um, so I really want things to change there. The scary thing is, um, I think that even though we're all very aware of that, 
Um, and I, I, I guess I can't speak for other like walks of life, but I get a sense that people don't really see the benefit of that outside of I mean, progressive circles. Yeah. I think, and as a, as a white person that went to a mainly white school in a white area, anything that was touched on, like the slave trade or, something, or, or civil rights, it's very much taught as like, that's in the past. That's in mm -hmm. the past. And like, I was a, you know, like 16 year old on indie Twitter that was obsessed with like folk music in the 60s, a lot of that centering around civil rights. And I was like, cool, it's so great that they like defeated racism. <laughs> <laughs> Like and then and bit thinking that like I was really woke because I I know I know about some racism that happened in the fifties and then being like oh my god that I'm my world is so small and I'm so unaware of all this stuff and why didn't anyone tell me? <laughs> but also it's on me to find out. I'm not expecting someone to be like Alice, <laughs> racism <laughs> still happening. <laughs> but. Uh, Good points. Um, have you seen um, the Small Axe films? Uh, I've seen one of them on, on iPlayer with uh, the McQueen ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, for viewers who are unaware of it, there was um, uh, basically Steve McQueen's a director. He made a few short films um, that centered on the black experience in the UK. And my point bringing that in is that um, how many of those were, and this is no big criticism towards him because it was worthy that he had that lens there. But how many, you know, films have been given, uh, say, a black female protagonist, you know? Mm -hmm. um, moreover, like, and it, only, it only happened recently in um, a Marvel show, which I won't go into because I'm a fucking talking <laughs> to it. Um, but you had one of the main characters actually starting to have um, flirtatious relationships with a woman who was like blacker than me right and he is like basically um a, a white male and you don't normally see that let alone within say marvel structure so in closing does anyone have anything to say on those last few uh, bits of information um sorry i feel like i've just spoke loads for the past five minutes and i feel like i'm really i'm really obviously like driving home the point but um i do also feel like i don't know uh i it's obviously it's important for me to pres be present in this conversation but it's not this isn't about my views or experiences and i care much more about what jana and menorah are saying but also as like a white woman music, um, talking about what uh, we're saying recently about discussions about um, like what you're saying about Canada and their main priority is equal pay. And obviously that's such a white female issue and, and an elitist white female, female issue because we don't, you only really, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, but those pay discrepancies when you're on a salary <laughs> uh, uh i don't i don't know anyone on one of those <laughs> um but also going just i mean recently i think we had was it like international women's day and seeing so many people posting about um in music like women in music all this kind of stuff and and so many people just being like yay women ladies woo, -woo! and i'm like yeah great like women ladies we love them but it's st stop centering the conversation about yourselves and and being me kind of being self-indulgent about it as, as a white woman 
because it's like, yes, I've had my struggles, but we need to keep focusing the conversation on the more marginalized peoples, like women of color, disabled women and trans women. And that's the only way that we're going to keep moving forward. And we just keep needing to stop making the conversation about yourself, which is what I've done for the past five years. <laughs> I think Honestly, it's I wouldn't, like... say, I wouldn't say you have. I mean, just so viewers know, Alice wasn't invited here. It's not like she barged in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just hijacked this conversation. <laughs> I think it was quite funny that you um, mentioned International Women's Day because I remember that week being quite a rough week, wasn't it? Wasn't that with... It was Mother's Day, and then it was International Women's Day, and everyone was like, woo, women! And then there was the whole situation with Rebecca Markle, right? The article came out that 97% of women have faced harassment and assault, and every man was like, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Um, It was an interesting week. It was a big week. Yeah, um, so much could be said about that. I feel like, ultimately... Does it need to be said again? Maybe, maybe for those fuckers who didn't understand it, but I'm not going to give them any time. I've given them enough time. You've all Mm -hmm. given them time. You guys have been awesome, but let's face it, we're a subject-driven channel and people might want to know who you are and what you do. Minor, what do you do when you're not talking to myself, Alison Jeanette? So I'm a content writer for a (laughs) Singapore-based women's organization called Women Unbounded. You can check out the page, little plug there. I write content. You can read content. (laughs) And it's great. I'm also currently in Pakistan. So there's that. Uh, Just my little stint here during COVID. Um, But yeah, I am a politics grad. So I'm very into this kind of sphere. So if anyone wants to chat to me, you can. Fantastic. I'm sure we'll see you on Rantbox TV again. You've been a great addition. <laughs> Alice, Alice Weston, the woman behind the mixing desk, the person with <laughs> the power in the music studio. <laughs> what do you do when you're not talking to myself, Jane, and of course, the wonderful North? I don't know. Um, no, I'm a, um, I'm a studio engineer and I work in music and I also play music. And I'm in this band with Jeanne <laughs> called Bugs. Um, and I guess I've been involved in music in London in various ways over the past few years. Um, and uh, I'm friends with Manor as well. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants to be friends with Manor. I would put a link, by the way, to your band, Bugs, in the description box. So yeah. if you think, viewers, that the politics that have been expressed by Alice have been interesting go there she also has a bandmate and every now and again i ask myself am i saying her name correctly (laughs) (laughs) alice and manor what are you doing (laughs) um so yeah as alice said i'm part of the band bugs um i also do music i'm a music grad um i play synth and keys and i sing i've been doing various jobs in music as well a bit of music teaching just anything music i love so that's me (laughs) she has a lizard and i have a little baby lizard wow a cold-blooded sentient creature Mm -hmm. well good for you (laughs) (laughs) you don't care for the lizard everybody (laughs) (laughs) maybe we'll do a rant box lizards one day i don't know yeah um probably not but hey there's hope for you lizard lovers um thank you for your time everyone um as per usual if you got something out of this video 
do feel, you know, feel obliged to share the love, you know, give it a like, subscribe. You might find other videos on this channel that you find interesting. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and yeah, I have nothing else to say before I turn into full blown fucking salesman. Have a good Friday. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.